2: Welcome back to another episode of the Packaday Podcast. You can get all your Packaday updates by following us on Twitter at Packaday Podcast. And remember, you can always subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, TuneIn, Stitcher, or Spotify. And of course, you can always go over and check us out over at CheeseheadTV.com. I am Kyle Fellows, and I am joined here as always by Andrew Mertig. Andrew, welcome. It is good to be back for another Friday edition of the Packaday Podcast.
3: Yeah, it's. Great to be here as always. Today <laughs> is 364 days until my birthday, which means <laughs> that yesterday was the greatest day on the calendar, Kyle. Happy July, birthday. Yeah. July 11th. And of course, on 7 Eleven, the aptly named gas station chain will give you a free slushy. So if you're luckily, lucky enough to live near a 7 Eleven and you got a free slushy yesterday, you're welcome. They do that nationally just because it's my birthday. <laughs> And might I add, Green Bay, no 7-Eleven. Oh, that's sad. Miss out. Yeah. Anyways, uh, one more thing before we get started. A huge thank you to everybody who listens and supports the podcast. If you get a chance, please go out and follow us on Twitter, Twitter, uh, Kyle is at Packer underscore pundit, and I'm at Andrew Mertig. This is truly a passion project for all of us who host, and interacting with fans is what really makes this fun. Uh, so feel free to go out and follow us, and you don't have to agree with anything that I say. In fact, I would encourage <laughs> you not to. Um, but sharing the podcast with other people, your family, your friends, your coworkers that really helps us out. And the more listeners we get, the better product you get, the better guests, the better sound quality, all of that sort of stuff. So um, on top of that, if any of you out there are truly generous and really want to support the podcast financially, you can go to the at Packaday Podcast Twitter account, and we have a way that you can do just that. But regardless, a huge, huge, huge thank you to everybody who listens. Um, and now let's uh, talk about a little bit of football.
2: Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Let's jump right in here and talk about that. But well, we really do love it, interacting with all of you guys on Twitter. And if we didn't enjoy a good disagreement on Twitter once in a while, we wouldn't have Twitter because that is what Twitter is for. So seriously, uh, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you've thought about this series and just about everything that's happening with the Packers. There's nothing more than what, you know, we just love to talk about all that with you guys. So definitely do that. Um, if you have been listening to us on Fridays, you know that Andrew and I have been breaking down the off-seasons of the Packers division rivals. We spent a whole episode on each of the Lions, the Vikings, and the Bears, and we took a look at the moves made around the NFC North to see who got better, who might have actually gotten a little worse, and we really thought that that was worth our time and your time because, as you know, the Packers schedule contains six of these matchups with these division rivals, but then the last last couple weeks, we've actually taken some time to look at the Packers' non-divisional matchups from their two thousand. 2019 schedule, and to this point we have talked about every team on the Packers 2019 schedule except the two teams that we are covering today. So we've talked about the Broncos and the Eagles, the Cowboys, the Chargers, the Chiefs, the Raiders, and the 49ers, not to mention the Panthers. So if you've missed any of those episodes, make sure you go back, check those out. But today we do have the last two teams on our list, and those teams are the New York football Giants, and the Washington Redskins. And since we are only doing these two teams today, we're able to put a little bit of extra time into these teams and really understand what they did in the offseason, what their current roster looks like, and what kind of a team the Packers should expect to face when these two teams get together with the Packers this season. Uh, The Packers will play the Giants in Week 13 in New York, and then they will face the Redskins at home in week 14 so let's jump in here let's talk some football and
3: let's start with those new york giants yeah i'm really excited to talk about the giants off season because certainly there were no was no controversy everybody in new york and new jersey was really really happy with what happened Uh, Best offseason ever. uh, um, (laughs) The the Giants started the offseason by making a pair of trades with the Cleveland Browns. They they made a swap of Edge Olivier Vernon uh, for guard Kevin Zeitler, the former Badger. And then they also swapped fourth rounders. That's very important for some reason. Um, Then they shook up the NFL landscape by trading wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr. for pick 1795 and safety Jabril Peppers. They made Beckham the highest paid wide receiver in NFL history and then shipped him off less than a year later. Because anytime you can trade one of the most talented players in the league for pennies on the dollar, you apparently have to do it as quickly as possible, Kyle. Uh, oh. So at, at at any rate, Beckham and Vernon weren't the only players leaving the Giants. They ended up cutting edge Connor Barwin. They lost safety Landon Collins to Washington. We'll talk about him later. The Giants also lost guard Jamon Brown, cornerback B.W. Webb, and defensive end Mario Edwards. In free agency, they made a lot of mid- to low-level acquisitions. They signed nose tackle John Jenkins to bolster their run defense. They added some solid linebackers and Marcus Golden and Nate Stupar. Uh, they solidified the safety position next to Jerome Peppers with uh, veteran Antoine Bethea. Um, Bethea? Yeah, I don't know, man. I was just going to roll with what you said. I think it's said. Uh, I okay. <laughs> um, I I won't edit that out. But I no, feel really embarrassed no. now. Um, it's like it's like when I uh forgot the the name of the safety for the Chargers last two uh, two weeks ago. Don't ask You're, me now. Don't ask me now. That? Uh, Derwin James. There it is. Derwin James. There yeah. Okay. I was. Uh, I'm just testing you today. We just got
2: to be honest with the people so they know we're real. Yeah. Now.
3: Um, on offense, they added tackle Mike Remmers and running back Rod Smith, who can. Take some of those short yardage punishment runs off of Saquon Barkley's plate. And then they decided to try to replace Beckham by signing every single wide receiver available in free agency. Uh, They added Golden Tate with the intention of making him their new number one. And I like Golden Tate, but I don't necessarily know that he's a true number one wide receiver. Um, After Tate and Sterling Shepard, the Giants are going to have a training camp battle between new additions. Corey Coleman, Benny Fowler, Cody Lattimore, and Russell Shepard, not to mention the guys that were actually on the roster before this season. Um, And, of course, the G-Men weren't done making headlines. At number six in the draft, they selected quarterback Daniel Jones out of Duke. Jones to the Giants always seemed to be destined, but very few people thought he'd go in the top ten. Ultimately, his success will determine how this draft class and offseason are viewed in the New York, New Jersey area. Um, But the Giants did have two other first rounders at pick 17. They took defensive lineman Dexter Lawrence from Clemson. Lawrence is an incredible locker room presence. He's a really good player on the field. He's going to be a versatile defender. But he has to show pass rushing impact to justify a mid-first round pick. Uh, He does have the capability to reshape the defensive line, which has always been great when the Giants have actually had success. Um, They snuck back into the first round uh, to nab cornerback DeAndre Baker from Georgia at pick 30. Uh, The picks I liked from the rest of the Giants class were fourth-round cornerback Julian Love from Notre Dame and fifth-round linebacker Ryan Connolly from Wisconsin. Love should be able to be a rotation defensive back to start. He could eventually develop into a starter. Connolly is going to be a core special teamer to start and his instincts and sound tackling could potentially make him into a starter in the future. Man, oh
2: man, I I would just hate to be a New York Giants fan right now. It would just be so hard to be supportive and excited when you just see so much change and just not a lot of continuity on the roster, not a lot of infusion of talent. But there are just so many roster decisions being made that make no sense in this organization. And it really seems like the organization just really lacks... Direction. It seems like they're committed to building for the future, but at the same time, they're letting players like Odell Beckham and Landon Collins walk out the door, and I'm just not sure who the New York Giants want to be as an organization and every team makes additions in a given offseason and from every team's personal perspective they probably think that they did their best to improve their roster even if those decisions don't make a lot of sense to the rest of the league or to fans but to me it's really hard to look at this giants team and think that they did much at all to be better in 2019. The Dexter Lawrence pick may benefit them, but it was probably a reach at 17. Like you said, it's got to be a pass rusher, uh, someone who can impact the passing game if you're going to take a guy that high. And we'll never know until we get down the line a little bit which of those Clemson guys was really the people that were just causing the havoc on that Clemson D-line. We'll just have to wait and see who those standouts are going to be from that group. Uh, Daniel Jones is a low-ceiling and low-floor quarterback quarterback that you just have to know that you've tied your organization to for the next five years. So I just don't get what the giants are going for. And outside of Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram, there's just not much about this giant team that really scares me. And I'm actually happy that they're on the Packers schedule in 2019. I don't know if that's bad to say, but I'm I'm okay with playing the giants in 2019.
3: Yeah. And you know, we we've talked a fair bit about, uh, roster building on this show and i think it was a couple weeks ago we were talking about um tyrod taylor backing up philip rivers and that's kind of a weird contrast in styles but it it does seem that historically when there is a you know kind of great quarterback or or a quarterback that at least has had a ton of success that everybody sort of looks for that team to try to clone them right um Joe Mattan and Steve Young had some similarities but there were definitely different players um the Packers when they were looking at replacing Brett Favre for years in the draft were tied to these young gunslingers that would be just like you know Brett Favre Jr uh uh there was uh Kyle Bowler, sure. uh, who ended up with in Baltimore. There was JP Lossman that ended up in yeah. Buffalo. Guys with just huge arms yeah. that just reared back and slung it. And they they assumed that's what the Packers wanted. And and they ended up going with one of the most conservative quarterbacks of all time in Aaron Rodgers, right? Like a guy <laughs> who who never makes the risky throw. Um and so it is funny because the Giants basically drafted the clone of Eli Manning, right? He's a David Cutcliffe guy. He kind of looks like Eli Manning. He really They has. have incredibly similar demeanors. Right. <laughs> and their play styles are almost identical. So I, I guess they have a type and they're going to stick with it. Um, and, you know, Eli Manning has won two Super Bowls, maybe not the greatest quarterback of all time. Sure. But uh, he's had success. So who are we to judge? Anyways. he so, had a uh, wide receiver
2: who caught a ball on his helmet, though. I mean, like, you got a guy who's got, like, basically three hands. Like, that can bail you
3: out a little bit. He also had a defense that was phenomenal and decent. Separate yeah. occasions that shook Tom Brady. So right. um, one of the great things about the NFL is the ability to go from really bad to really good. In a very short period of time with the right moves. And and here's looking at you, Cleveland Browns, but the, the way to do that is to keep your really great players, let your good players get overpaid by somebody else, draft well, and then develop the young guys that are on your team. And instead, what the Giants have done was they jettison their best offensive player, they let their best defensive player walk in the same offseason, and then they added a bunch of guys who don't really make sense. So if you believe in <laughs> if you believe in Daniel Jones, that that's totally fine. Nobody nobody is going to care that you pick him at six or if you pick him at 17 if he turns into a franchise quarterback. But don't draft him to sit behind Eli for a whole year. Number one, you could have gotten a draft pick for Eli. Number two, the benefit of drafting a quarterback early is that if you have them on a rookie contract for five years, that opens up the window to pay guys to surround them with. So now you're committing to shorten that window. If Jones isn't good enough to play in year one, he is probably not good enough to be drafted that highly. You you also could have brought Jones onto a team with Saquon Barkley and Evan Ingram plus Odell Beckham. So that is putting your guy in a position to succeed and then you talked about this, but they took a win now guy in Dexter Lawrence. And what I mean by that is I really, really like Lawrence, but he likely isn't getting a lot better as a pro. So taking a guy with a high floor and a low ceiling with the pick you traded for Odell, no less, seems like a win now move for a team that is committed to rebuilding. And I just despise half measures in pro sports. If you're going to be terrible, trade Eli, commit to being terrible. And if you're going to go for it, then keep Odell and don't let Landa Collins walk. And if you're going to be mediocre, then commit to getting your top 10 draft pick quarterback some snaps. I just truly don't understand what the Giants were doing this offseason. And uh, anyways, enough of me venting. It is time to move <laughs> on to the Washington footballers. So, Kyle, oh, man. what did they do this off season? I'm actually not ready to move on from the Giants. We have just... Nope. We've given
2: them a hard time. I think this is probably the hardest we've been on a team that's on the Packers schedule this year. But it's that contrast between Dexter Lawrence and Odell Beckham. When you think about that, you've essentially swapped those players. When you take Dexter Lawrence with the 17th pick, like you said, my goodness, that is just, it's, it's so much harder to swallow when you realize that you essentially swapped those guys. But anyway. Let's just move on. Let's get to these Redskins, talk about what another team in the NFC East was able to do. I'm frequently pretty critical of the Redskins as an organization in a front office. I feel like they are always shooting themselves in the foot with massive contracts and Band-Aid solutions rather than long-term roster building. But I actually really like a lot of what Washington was able to do this offseason. That said, they did start by paying a stupid amount of money to safety Landon Collins, who we've already talked about so far uh, on the episode. Uh, Collins conned a six-year, $84 million contract out of Washington. And if you are counting at home, that's a heck of a lot for a safety who isn't super dynamic in coverage. Uh, That's a lot for a safety, regardless of how good they are. But regardless, Collins got paid, so good for him. But unless you count Case Keenum as a significant addition, Landon Collins is really the only key free agent that... The Redskins were able to lure to Washington, uh, but they did have some losses in free agency that they have to account for. They lost Jamison Crowder to the Jets, and then, of course, they lost Preston Smith to your Green Bay Packers. But then I I really like what Washington did in the draft. First, they, they waited. They didn't panic. They waited and got their guy quarterback Dwayne Haskins at 15 overall and they didn't have to sell the farm to get him and then just a few picks later they were able to get Montez Sweat and I think getting Mississippi State Sweat is one of the most underrated moves that Washington made because yes Preston Smith is a huge loss but Sweat might have a higher ceiling and he's almost certainly going to be a reliable player at least so I really like the way that they filled the filled this hole that was left by Preston Smith. Uh, But then later in the draft, they surrounded Dwayne Haskins with weapons in order to help him find some success. And that's huge as an organization when an organization commits to their young quarterback like that. And, you know, the best way to help your quarterback is to get receivers that not only are good, but that they're familiar with. So they brought in a guy that he's played with before. And so they drafted Ohio State's wide receiver Terry McLaurin. And so you know that these guys already have some good chemistry that they can build on uh, from their time at Ohio State. And then late, they got a steal, in my opinion, in Kelvin Harmon, uh, who really I thought was quite a bit better than where he actually got drafted in, in this draft class. And all in all, a really, really good class for Washington. So uh, I don't know. What do you think, Andrew? Did did Washington do enough to get
3: better? Well, um, I I – really like the Washington Football Club more than most people. In fact, last week I tweeted the hot take that I think that the Washington dancing Daniel Snyders are actually better than Dallas. And that comes across as a controversial opinion, but here is what I like. They had a really dominant defense over the first half of last season. And then they brought in Hashan (laughs) Clinton-Dix, and suddenly they're getting gashed by huge plays all over the place. They'll feel the loss of Preston Smith, but... They replace Mr. Clinton hyphen Dix with Landon Collins, who is a colossal upgrade, and Preston with rookie Montez Sweat. And and that might be a, a break even. Um I you know, I'm certain year one that Preston Smith would be a little bit ahead, but really that's that's not a bad trade-off. Uh improving your safety position greatly, um, and maybe a slight dip in edge rusher. Ryan Kerrigan is chronically underrated. And the rest of this defensive unit is really, really good. And so I expect them to return to what we saw in the first half of last season. I'm also a little higher on their offense than most people are. They have a really good offensive line. Um, They have Trent Williams at tackle. They have Brandon Scherf at guard, who are two of the best in the league at their positions. I'm in a really solid group around them. They have returning Darius Geis to go with Adrian Peterson and Samaje Pirine. And a guy I love, Kama Bryce. See what I did there? Nice. Bryce Love. That's yeah, nice. Yeah. Running back out of Stanford. He's he's somebody that I'm excited about seeing in the pros. Um, they have serious weapons at tight end with Jordan Reed and Ferdinand Davis. And a wide receiver, they went out and signed uh, Paul Richardson Jr. last year. Um, and they have Josh Doxson and the rookies you mentioned in McLaurin and Kelvin Harmon. I think Case Keenum could have the weapons to have a really good season. Maybe even, maybe not as good as he did in Minnesota, but I think he could have a bounce-back campaign here. And I wouldn't assume Dwayne Haskins would necessarily only be in there if they're out of the hunt, because that young man can sling it. He'll bring more high-risk, high-reward aspect to the offense, but with the speed that they have and the play-action opportunities that are going to be there, because they're going to have a really good running game, That could help them set up some big plays, and uh, Dwayne Haskins can chuck the ball, and he's got some wide receivers who can track it, so um, that could be really exciting on offense, and like I said, I really like their defensive group.
2: Yeah, yeah. Unlike the New York Giants, I think if you're a Washington footballer fan, I I think that you have a lot of things that you might be excited about. You might be excited about the direction of your team and just the young infusion of talent that seems to be there in Washington. Um, I do think it's funny, Andrew, how many different names that we can come up with to call Mr. Haha Clinton Dix without actually referring to his name, as you might expect. I've decided to just stop saying ha ha <laughs> I appreciate the great efforts you're going to uh, to keep us on our toes with that. Uh, but I do think that this is a team that has an arrow that's pointing up. I'm probably probably not quite as high on them as Andrew is. But I think that if you are a fan, you're probably really optimistic about the future of this team. And I think Darius Geis could be really fun to watch, a great story to watch in 2019. And if you listen to the episode with Kenny Clark, uh, Brandon Scherf was an offensive lineman that he said gave him a lot of trouble. So, again, uh, somebody's going to be paving the way uh, for Darius Geist to have a big season, as well as some of their running, other running backs. But uh, could be a good year for Washington. Uh, this is a team that probably should finish at like 6-10, and 10, especially with the uncertainty at quarterback and, and those kinds of things. But it wouldn't shock me if they found their way to 9-7 and seven and pulled off some strange upsets throughout the year. So let's hope that they just don't find any extra magic when they face Green Bay when the two teams get together.
3: Yeah, and so as as we're wrapping up this uh, kind of debrief of what all of the Packers' opponents have done during this off season, it's it's a tough schedule. Uh, we've we've talked at length about them having to face the AFC West, which I consider to be the best division in football. You have a great Chargers team. You have a really really you know a Chiefs team that looked great, and you know we'll find more out. Um, uh, about how go- their defense is going to change this year. We have a really strong Broncos team and a Raiders team that might be better than what we think. And then the Packers also are going to be facing the NFC East. And we know how good the Eagles are going to be. You really love the Cowboys roster. I live, really love the Washington <laughs> roster. Yeah. And then, um, you know, you have the Giants who look like doormats. But, again, they have some offensive weapons. You you never know what Saquon Barkley is going to do. Um, and the defense might be all right. But you, you just hope that the Packers play them well. It, they're going to have the work cut out for them. Um, yes. I was just I was just going to say I think in this exercise there's one thing that sticks out to me
2: is that this is the NFL this is not college football there are no off weeks and so you've got to bring it every single every single week and you you know, Packers fans are like, oh, they're going to go 11 and five. They're going to go 12 and four, easy. You know, if everything clicks. And this is a really difficult league that they play in. And it's just, you know, these are really, really talented rosters. And any of these teams that the Packers face, uh, with just a couple of exceptions, really are really, really talented teams. And they are going to have uh, some some really tough games this year if they're going to come out um, as as a good of a team that a lot of people are predicting that they could be.
3: Yeah, and it'll be really interesting as the rest of the Pack-A-Day team breaks down the Packers' schedule by quarter. So they're going to take weeks one through four and and go on and and tell us how those matchups look after we've just gotten done previewing how those teams have constructed their rosters this offseason. So again, the Packers travel to New York in week 13, and then they get the uh, to host the Washington Football Club at home in week 14. But that is all the time that we have for today. This has been the pack Podcast. You can find Kyle on Twitter, at Packer underscore Pundit. And you can find me, at Andrew Mertig. Remember to also follow at Packaday Podcast. Please subscribe and rate the podcast if you like what we're doing. Tomorrow's episode is going to be hosted by Jake and Mark, who are going to be doing a schedule breakdown of that last quarter of Green Bay's schedule. Uh, so you get to hear what they think of the Washington matchup, as well as the Bears, the Vikings, and the Lions. You can catch Kyle... Uh, and myself every single Friday. We're going to be back next week with something completely different. We're going to be previewing the Packers' 2019 edge rushers. So we're going to be talking some Preston Smith, some Z'Darrius Smith, some Rashawn Gary, and I'm sure we'll sneak Kyler Fackrell and Kendall Donerson in there as well. Uh, but we will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember... Go, pack, go.